Welcome to the Making a Runner podcast. I'm your host, Nick, a running specialist, biokineticist, and coach. And I'm a co-host, Davey, aka Davey on the Run. Through our shared knowledge and experience, we unpack the fascinating topic of running. We speak to coaches, athletes, subject matter experts, and everyday enthusiasts to help you improve your running. And ensure that you enjoy every step of the way, wherever the road or trail may take you. This is how runners are made. It's how runners are made, baby. Oh yeah. There's a big misconception that, you know, a lot of people come into running to lose weight. weight. So they're trying not to eat because they think eating is going to basically negate the effects of having burnt 400 calories on the run. It's such a slippery slope. That's such a great point. There's a lot of ladies out there who, you know, lose their period, tend to underfuel, and that obviously then leads to, you know, risk of injury, increased risk of illness, hormone imbalance, all of those things. If we are fueling for performance your new, and your requirements are very high, you might struggle to eat the sheer volume of your your brown bread or whole seed bread just because it's so bulky, because of the fiber content and seeds and whatnot, versus the white bread. Do you think that carbon fiber shoes can make a difference in your running speed? You should try Cool Ideas Fiber Internet Solutions for your home or business. They're fast, effective, and take the podium for the best customer service in the game. Davide! Nicola! How are you, bro? I'm hungry, man. I'm hungry. Hungry, hungry. Well, lucky for you, after today's discussion, you're going to know exactly what you're going to need to eat to fuel for your performance. An Afro's chicken wrap, perhaps. Maybe, maybe (laughs) something a little bit more macro and micronutrient rich. Yes, yes. It's a challenge... Um, that I've been facing for quite some time. Uh, I think it's something that a lot of athletes, you know, tend to battle with. It is the um, really, really important around uh, nutrition. And um, our guest today, Mariela Sawyer, is um, she's an elite level athlete. Uh, she is a triathlete. She's also a um, dietitian herself. She runs her own practice. Yeah, she practices in Cape Town. In and Cape Town, uh, yeah. again, guys, I'll. Making a runner jet is still down. <laughs> still down. Still yeah. down. So bloody, bloody repairs. Yeah, I know Sorry. they're costing. But uh, guys, she she is extremely insightful. She studied a BSc in sports science, so she's clued up in the sports industry as well. And then did her honors in nutrition and dietetics. Uh, she has a private practice, and she has a passion for empowering people through nutrition. So we hope that you guys feel extremely inspired after this conversation. I know personally that nutrition is something that most runners. Yeah. Uh, sort of leave as a last resort but hopefully after this conversation you feel the need to go out there and get your nutrition sorted because that will make a huge difference come race day yeah guys food is your friend fuel for performance but yeah sit back relax enjoy here is mariela Mariela, thank you so much for taking the time today for being with us. We really appreciate it and look forward to getting into this conversation about a really exciting topic. I think both for myself and Davey, um, prob- probably Davey a little bit more because he he comes at you today as a true nutrition novice and you're going to hear a lot about it. But I'm actually really excited for the conversation. I was, I was telling Nick earlier, I was just like, because you are someone that I follow and I really admire everything that you're about. Um, I don't listen to any of your advice, um, <laughs> but I but I see it and I like it. And I, I don't not listen to it because I don't agree with it. Like I listen to it and I'm like, 
yes, 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 I need to do this, I need to do this. And I just I just don't get around to it. So I'm hoping that this conversation really like gives me the kick up the butt that I need. Um, and anybody else listening that is um, looking for that you know, reason to actually start committing to nutrition can obviously listen to this and and get get into it because it's a key factor. It is it's key. a key factor, so almost as important as gym. Oof, we'll <laughs> get to that. But Marilla, tell us almost, a little, but, but not quite. <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about your background. We know you're a triathlete and also your your dietitian background. Just for our guests, a little bit. Yeah. Um, so basically, in terms of, you know, what I studied and that sort of story, um, I actually did my undergrad in sports science, so I didn't go into dietetics straight away. So I've always been very interested in sports, performance, and that whole part of everything. Uh, I did quite a bit of sports in school, but not nothing endurance related. I was more of a horse rider, and I dabbled in surfing for a little bit as well, and then Basically, when third year came along, I wasn't sure what to do next. And we actually had a subject called physiology. And we had a module which was metabolic physiology. And that was obviously very much nutrition focused. And I found that that's something that really interests me. Um, And then basically, I went on to do a conversion course um, at UCT in dietetics. So essentially, it's a two years honors course where they essentially do the standard undergrad in dietetics, but they put it together into, into two years. So it was quite intensive and then went on to do concerts. And yeah, that's kind of the dietetics journey that I went on. And obviously being someone who's quite um, passionate about sport myself. Um, yes, because you're, a, you're kind an of, elite level triathlete. We can also, <laughs> we can also make mention um, of that. Which only started in, when did I start? I did my first triathlon in my first, the second year of honours, actually. So it's not something that I, you know, have had been involved in for a very long time. So the whole endurance nutrition aspect of things was definitely sort of, you know, complemented by my starting of triathlon. So sure. it all kind of worked out quite well, I would say. Yeah, I mean, sports nutrition was what I was interested in from the get-go, but doing, you know, endurance sport myself really sort of complemented everything in terms of what I learned and what I do, putting the theory into yeah, practice yeah, and that yeah. sort of thing, yeah. And I mean, currently you, you work as a dietitian in your private practice, you also coach, and obviously you, you do your, your triathlons as well, is that so? Yes, that's correct. Training and obviously having my own practice allows for me to accommodate the training. Um, I think if I had to, you know, sit in an office nine to five all day, it would be super <laughs> difficult. And yeah, I admire the people that, you know, manage to fit in the hours. I know there are people out there that do that. So yeah, I'm very blessed in that I can sort of dictate my own schedule, yeah. which is super nice. Brilliant. So I want to get straight in because I think there's a there's a lot of topics to cover. And now that we know yeah. that uh, we're talking to someone who can help us a lot with these topics, uh, <laughs> I want to just get you going on on the basics of nutrition. So simple things yeah. like explaining energy systems, different types of fuel sources, examples of these fuel sources. Could you just give us a little little starting point here? Ooh, that's a loaded <laughs> question. <laughs> How much time do we have? Okay, let, let's keep it surface level because we, yeah. we'll dive in a little yes. bit more. Um, okay, so I think the first thing that is something that many people tend to or should remember is that we always need to think of context before content. 
because the same does not apply to everyone. The same does not apply to every session in terms of nutrition. So we always need to think about, okay, in what context are we speaking? For example, if we're looking at the different energy system utilization that you mentioned, um, for the listeners that don't know, throughout different intensities of training, our body actually uses different fuels. So if you're training at a low intensity, your body will default into utilizing fats more as fuel. But as soon as you go into the high intensity stuff, carbohydrates become your primary source of fuel. So that's why, you know, we tend to encourage people to really make sure that their fueling is on point, especially during the high intensity workouts, because you might find that you are more likely to hit the wall during those workouts. And that's because your carbohydrates are quite limited. So you need to make sure that those are always topped up. And obviously um, you get the, um, you get people that follow, you know, the keto diets and the high fat diets. Is that, um, Obviously, I mean, I mean, you're talking about carbohydrates being one of the most important sources of energy when you're when you're you know exerting yourself to high high levels of activity. But then, what what about people that are that are you know following the keto diet and all of that? So, when we're speaking about keto and you know low carb and those sorts of diets, the first thing that I often find, and I actually did um, my honors research project was on dancing. And we did some, you know, pilot interviews with people who say they, they were doing dancing. And what you often find is that people say they're on those diets, but when you're looking or breaking down their dietary intake, they're actually not in full ketosis, which then obviously is not the keto diet. Um, and the same kind of goes for low carb. So someone would say, oh, yes, I'm dancing, but they essentially all they would have done is cut out all refined carbs but they, they were still eating fruits, they were still eating dairy, sweet potatoes, butternuts. So their diet was still reasonably high in carbohydrates. They were just cutting out all the refined carbohydrates. So, you know, in terms of training and, you know, training benefits, in endurance sports, it's been found that these diets are not the most beneficial. They're also not very sustainable for a lot of people or for most people. Yeah. And most people struggle with the high-intensity work if they are really in, you know, ketosis or on a low carb diet, so yeah. Okay, no, no, yeah, yeah, de- definitely. And I know, and I know, it's such a tricky thing to answer because, like, I mean, diet, diet for everybody. I mean, so many people just have a different view, and and you get a lot. Mm. Of, and I mean, people, it's it's like almost like religion. I feel like sometimes, like, if people are like yeah. keto, they are keto, and don't tell them that that you know a Mediterranean yeah. diet or a high carb or whatever because they will like they'll pick a fight with you and it's like such a sketchy topic to discuss obviously i mean i mean for for i'd say 90 percent of you know athletes and, and runners we we typically uh, look for you know a source of carbohydrates and all of that but i know even even me you know growing up and and uh, my dad you know was interested in in the in tim noakes and all of that so i've kind of been conflicted with like what to do um, I've never I've never followed a, a keto diet or a, or, a, or a Tim Noakes diet. Um, I, I've always you know obviously you know gone towards a high carb 
diet just because that's also like you say easier one to sustain yeah so, so yeah i know it's i know it's a hell of a difficult topic to actually talk about i also think that a, a big element is is how you train your body on that diet because you know if you are someone that has been on a keto diet for a long time and has been doing it properly your body eventually becomes better at using that source of of fueling yeah and i mean it's it's not like an on and off switch where you can have uh, just just carb uh, using just carbs or using just fats and a lot of people just think it it is just a switch you know but it's almost like a sliding scale on a percentage scale is that is that correct yeah so there's quite a I, I don't I don't know how to how to phrase this but I would say like a bit of a trend towards the whole sort of training to um, enhance metabolic flexibility that's what we call it so to kind of help your body to utilize fat more efficiently because we do have a lot more fat stores than we do have of carbohydrates. So it would only make sense for our bodies to burn fat as fuel, but it does require more work for our bodies to burn fat. So there's, it's quite a new, somewhat new topic in terms of research. You know, there, there is some research showing that, you know, doing certain sessions fasted, um, enhances your metabolic flexibility, essentially saying that you become more efficient at utilizing fat as fuels. But where it gets tricky is, again, we need to think about, you know, if research is done in a controlled environment. Now, putting that into practice always looks very different. So, you know, the athlete needs to be doing the training and the correct intensities. Uh, they really need to be monitored uh, to make sure that it's done correctly. Because if not, then essentially you're wasting your time and then you start to play, you know, you start to play with fire a little bit in terms of, okay, they're doing the training faster, but it's the wrong session. They're doing it too hard. And now they're, they're playing with injury, illness, especially for female athletes. It's a risky business. Um, so that's where, you know, the research and real life is often, you know, not quite the same. That's that's really interesting to hear, and I, I think it's it's such a good point um, because yeah, all, all those studies are, like you said, done in such controlled environments. And then, yeah. I mean, I read about it, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to do that. And you and you yeah. and, you, and you're following like ten percent maybe, or, or or you've seen like the head the headline, which I love doing. I I love reading like a a clickbait thing and being like, ah, oh. <laughs> the abstract. Yeah, I'm going to do that. That 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 sounds nice. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's yeah, and then when you actually read the discussion and the you know when you actually read the whole article, it's yeah. like a bit disappointing sometimes because you're like, oh, okay, and nine out of ten times it says more research is needed and it's actually not conclusive at all. Yeah. So yeah, science is a, a bit of a slippery slope sometimes. So so basically, to recap this this sort of first point of discussion, is, am I correct in saying that where we're where we're at right now, uh, carbohydrate is the primary source of fuel when it comes to endurance sports especially when it comes to a high intensity high intensity efforts in endurance sports and that i mean it, it's dependent on the individual if someone's relatively unfit going for an easy 5k that might still fit into the relatively yeah. high effort sure, sure. whereas if someone's extremely yeah. fit you know uh, they can keep their heart rate very low over a 10k and just take it easy they might be utilizing a little bit more fat in terms of uh, an energy source is that is that yeah. sort of where we're at with that? And I mean, yeah, hundred percent. And in terms of 
the difference between eating and fueling? Because I know yeah. I, I personally think that there's a big difference between the two. Mm. And a lot of people, yeah. especially runners, don't understand that. That's the typical example that, you know, a runner's done all their training, not really thinking about the nutrition. And now they just know that the race is coming up and they're going to need to eat. <laughs> so they just go to this game, go buck wild on the aisle, and they just buy anything that says whatever's uh, energy supplement or endurance supplement. And then they try that out for the first time. But uh, in my understanding, you know, the fueling is the part where it really starts to make a big difference in your athletic ability because it's it's one thing eating as a second thought. It's another thing fueling your body through the runs before a run and after a run. So what is yeah. the major difference between the two? So I would, well, the one, the one thing is that I often um, remind clients of is that eating for performance, so fueling, speaking of fueling now, looks very different to eating compared to someone who's just eating and living a sedentary life. And often what a lot of people also don't realize is that only because you are full does not mean that you are fueled. And obviously, you know, these days we have so much information that gets thrown at us in terms of, you know, what we see on social media, et cetera. And often the primary goal is just eat vegetables, make sure that your meals are bulky um, in terms of fiber and that sort of thing. But for someone who's training a lot and needs to fuel their body, that is 90% of the time not the best way to go because that can result in you actually unintentionally then underfueling. Um, because you're not getting in the, the carbohydrates and protein because you you know overloading on the vegetables. Another interesting thing is also that you know in terms of fueling for performance, foods that are a bit more refined can be very useful tools uh, to meet energy requirements. For example, you know drinking your calories in combination with a you know well balanced diet can be very useful to you know top up your carbohydrate intake, which for someone who's training for comrades, those requirements will be really high. So, you know, using these little tweaks here and there um, that, you know, general eating guidelines will consider as unhealthy is very useful for someone who's actually fueling for performance. Yeah, 100%. And then, I mean, just getting on to, uh, you know, the topic of, I mean, when, when is it necessary to eat and when is it not necessary to, to eat? I mean, obviously... You're a great example of it because, I mean, I see you, you know, you really practice what you preach. And I'll see you training and I'll see you taking on fuel and stuff like that. And I'll look at that and be like, I won't think that's necessary, you know, but but that's because, I mean, I'm just not, I'm just not used to it. And just on top of that also, I think in terms of female athletes, there's, there's, a, there's a big misconception that, yeah. you know, a lot of people come into running to lose weight. To lose weight. So yeah. they, they're trying not to eat because they think eating is going to basically negate the effects of having burnt 400 calories on yeah, the run. It's such a slippery slope. That's such a great point. Eh? So it's what, like, what are your yeah. thoughts there? Yeah, I actually had someone ask me um, on Instagram the other day and he said, um, I'm trying to, because I was speaking about fueling and he said, oh, but I'm trying to lose weight. I'm training for my, my first half Ironman or whatever. Um, and the race is quite soon. And I think um, now is not the time to look at weight loss yeah. because you're training for this massive endurance event. Now you want to restrict yourself. So you're playing with fire there. And I think, you know, that's something that a lot of people kind of misunderstand a little bit. And maybe the, you know, the intention behind it is wrong um, in terms of why they're doing the sport. If it's 
solely for weight loss. And often what I try to encourage people to kind of shift in their thinking is that try to focus on how you feel in your body versus just focusing on a number on a scale. Because, I mean, you know, the standard bathroom scales that people use to track their weight, they're so inaccurate, one-dimensional. And especially if you're training a lot, your weight will fluctuate. Um, You might actually gain weight if you gain muscle mass, that sort of thing. So, you know, using weight as as a measure of progress, especially in the context of performance, is probably most definitely not the the best way to go, but rather focusing on things like what are your energy levels like, how's your training going, um, are you recovering, your mood levels, injury, illness, all of those things are a lot more important than, you know, just the weight. I think it's it's like it's so – it's two-sided because obviously, I mean, we talk about – um, fueling for results and then and then obviously you get you get a lot of people that are you know just running to lose weight maybe they've entered a, a, a race and their goal is simply just to finish they don't care how they're going to feel or, or what the, what the time is going to be they, they they're in it you know for 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 separate goals but then obviously nutrition is very important for anybody that's wanting to improve their performance or and, and even if it's you know by one minute two minute or five minutes or whatever but also, just while we're on this topic, you said something very interesting earlier. Was um, you know, if you're training a lot, you, you might even put on weight or something. I, I have a myth that I want you to to potentially bust, right? Because I was I was told like three or four years ago when I ran like my first marathon and I got on the scale and I'd actually put on weight. And someone said to me, and I'll never forget it, and I still believe it. So please tell me if it's absolute BS. It's that. Is that when you run a marathon or or a comrades or ultra marathon, your body is 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 in a bit of shock, and and any any you know nutrients that you bring on afterwards is going to try and retain because it, it might think that you're going to go and do that you know again the next day, um, and that's uh, that could be a reason for obviously you know retaining that weight or anything. So the point is that like you 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 run a marathon or you run comrades, right? For me, I ran comrades. Did I lose weight after after comrades? No, I was actually heavier. And, mm. and I don't know. Do you do you have any insight to that? Because it's something that's like I've like always like said it's it's true, but I've never actually consulted a dietitian about it. Yeah, it's quite. I mean, it's, it's a very interesting um, and a, yeah, good question because you know your body goes through a lot of trauma and during a race like comrades. Um, and what also happens is so it's totally normal for your body to kind of you know I don't know if you found that you were a bit like swollen up and just like. Yeah. Like you said, you were heavier because obviously there's a lot of, you know, dehydration, electrolyte imbalance that kind of happens and the inflammation in the body is really high. So your body does take some time to kind of self-regulate itself. Um, but yeah, I mean, it obviously also it depends on so many factors as yeah. well in terms of what did you do after the race, what did you eat, et cetera, et cetera, fueling during the race, what happened, all of those things um, obviously play a part as well in terms of, what you will feel and look like afterwards. Yeah. So you're skating around the answer. So is myth busted or can I keep saying it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, no, I wouldn't. I would say that it's definitely a, a factor that, that yeah, it definitely plays a part in terms what of you know, say, your body um, was just traumatized. Yeah. What do they say on myth busters? <laughs> plausible. Plausible. <laughs> plausible. Okay. Like, like Mariela said, it's, um, you know, a lot to do with science yeah. is is not quite cut and dry, and I think this is uh, yeah. this is one of those cases. But I mean, to go to go back to the topic of 
nutrition for performance and like when it's necessary to eat when is it not necessary to eat the timing of your nutrition like so you know in a general training week let's say now you're someone that does your your normal polarized training where you're doing a couple of high intensity sessions a couple of long runs and then mostly just easy easy effort running when is it necessary to eat i know there's a big element of uh training your gut to to uh, be used to the current sort of fueling strategy that you're going to pursue going forward but i mean on an easy run easy like a proper proper easy run you know uh, keeping your heart rate low like do you have to wake up earlier for that run yeah. to make sure that you're getting your nutrition in or is that the type of run that it's okay to not eat on because it's going to be under an hour or 45 minutes long nick's, you, nick's asking for a friend eh? asking for a friend asking, asking, for, asking for a friend, for a friend. <laughs> yeah, for davy i'm asking for davy <laughs> Hey Nick, did you know that it's a cool idea to eat a nutritious diet packed with loads of fiber? Oh yeah? Yeah, you should Google it using Cool Ideas Fiber Internet Solutions. I hear they've been voted number one internet service provider for customer service. Yeah, and you'll get hold of them faster than the fiber can work through your system. <laughs> so um, I did, again, it depends on a variety of factors. The one thing that I always like to kind of look at is where are you in your training block? If you're in a massive comrade block and your volume is really big, then I would say rather have something small to eat. And it doesn't have to be a whole meal. It can literally be, you know, a banana with some nut butter or some runny future life or runny porridge that you drink on the road or whatever it is, just because you're in such, under such a big training load stress. The other thing was also in terms of, you know, looking at male versus female. For females, I generally always say try and have something to eat before just because we have, you know, um, obviously menstrual cycle of play hormones and that sort of thing. So for females, I generally say always have something to eat. Oh, always. But if it's, you know, yeah. So. Just because, you know, in terms of there's a lot of ladies out there who, you know, lose their periods, tend to underfuel, and that obviously then leads to, you know, risk of injury, increased risk of illness, hormone imbalance, all of those things. So this is a myth we can bust that it's not normal to lose your period if you're an endurance runner. So that is why I generally say for females, always have something to eat. But if you're in a, in a very small, like small volume running and, you know, you're only running like every second day or that sort of thing and it's mostly easy, you know, then it's not as crucial. You know, you won't be um, running into any crazy difficulties if you don't feel that run beforehand. And what about? But then obviously, you would want to eat after. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, it's it's also important to consider uh, the effects, like you say, after of that session. So, is it correct yeah. in saying that you know, if you supplementing enough throughout your training block, you're also eating so that you can recover quicker, so that you can train better, because it aids in that recovery. Yeah, 100%. So I think a lot of people, they, they also forget. They think very, you know, a bit of a tunnel vision. They only look at the session now. But with nutrition, you also need to remember that what you do now affects the sessions that follow. So if you are in comrade training and you're doing maybe two runs a day, if you are underfueling your first run, that affects your recovery from that run and that will then make you feel a lot less recovered for the second run and that has a ripple effect on your whole training week going forward and ultimately your training as a whole. Yeah. So you always want to make sure that you're also thinking ahead in terms of, okay, how is 
what I'm doing now going to affect my training going forward? And I mean, moving off of that, training your gut, is that extremely important for any any runner? You do have some individuals who are quite lucky and that they can stomach um, a bit more than, you know, some, some other people. But generally speaking, I do always say practice your race and nutrition to the T in terms of what you're going to do because you don't want to, you know, have your race fall apart because of you not practicing it. So that's definitely something that's worth doing. But what I see a yeah. lot personally with runners as well is, you know, they, they practice their race day nutrition on their longer, easier yeah. runs. And I mean, the effort on those runs is completely different to the effort of what they're going to yeah. have on the actual race day. So yeah. is then, is that also important to then say on like a speed session or speed workout yeah. to, to go and practice your nutrition on like the actual race day nutrition on those sessions? Yeah, that can definitely also be of, of a benefit. And I know a lot of people, maybe not a lot, but you know, sometimes runners, what they do is they'll have a long run and they have race pace efforts within that long run. So that would also be a really good opportunity to practice race day nutrition. But obviously, yeah, like you said, sometimes, you know, things just go wrong on race day because of nerves can be a huge thing because the brain gut access is, is a real thing. So that can really negatively affect how you're going to be able to absorb your race day nutrition, even though you might have practiced it. Sure. But you have to kind of, you know, dot the T's, dot the I's and cross the T's. You do want to try and practice it as much as possible. Sure, that is, that is something that we need to, I need to get better at. But also, I think, I think a question a lot of people ask is in terms of um, the amount of carbs that you should be taking in um, in every hour of, acti of activity. I mean, what, what is your recommendation on something like that? And obviously that's going to be very dependent on, on the athlete, the level of athlete, uh, what they, I know it's not a straightforward answer, but in general, what would you recommend? So starting out, I would first look at sort of what, what are they taking? And so if someone hasn't been fueling a lot and is kind of just getting by with, you know, 15 grams of carbs per hour, I would never say, okay, cool, let's jump to 60 because they'll probably be running to the to the port saloon. But generally speaking, you do at 60 grams per hour is a good rule of thumb, but it also depends on, you know, the size of the athlete. So another formula is using 0 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight. Um, but like I said, you do want to look at what you are doing now and sort of build your build your way up so, there because you don't want to go from zero to zero. Yeah. So, um, but what does 60 grams of carbs look like? You know, like just for someone yeah. so, someone listening that's like, cool, 60 grams of carbs. But like I know off the top of my head, I think one goo has 20 grams typically. Yeah. 20 grams of carbs, yeah. right? So that means that every, every quick, hour, quick you're mass. basically having three. So it's like every 20 minutes. Like every 20 minutes. Oh, sorry, that was easy math. <laughs> Come on, Crawford. <laughs> letting me down there um so every every 20 minutes you're, you're taking in a goo and and something that i've always um struggled with is like when like i did okay i did uh, a, a 21k like training race on the weekend and I, I had one goo and i was like yes this is this is my time to sh shine i'm gonna start you know my nutrition journey and like i was like makes sense to take one goo at 10ks because like, that, that seems logical but Something I've always battled with is like, come race day, now I've gone to Diskim, I've got all my goos, and I'm like, when do I take them? Because I know I'm not going to want to take one in the first hour, because then you're like on top of the world, yeah. you're like flying. And then obviously... Well, that's... Yeah. 
I think that's where the wheels fall off, hey? Yes. So that's the first mistake that a lot of people start feeling when it's too late. So the second you start feeling like you need something and you, you know, don't feel a bit fragile, you're getting on thin ice already. Um, that's that's staying yeah. active. So the one thing that also, another thing that's really important, I think, um, to, to mention is that we also need to think about what are you doing before the race starts. So you obviously have your breakfast, but then often there's quite a long time between finishing breakfast and starting the race. Yeah. So if you're not having anything in that time frame, you are already starting the race on a bit of a back burner. So, you know, making sure that you have, you know, a carb snack half an hour before the race starts, making sure that you are in the starting pen with your bottle of electrolyzed carb drink um, is also a good thing to do just to make sure that you don't start the race being dehydrated and underfueled. And then the second the gun goes, you start fueling, you know, at your time increments. And obviously they'll differ in terms of kilometer markers depending on what speed you run. But that's where, you know, getting someone to help you like a like a yeah. dietitian. Um <laughs> is super helpful because because they can give you a detailed race day nutrition strategy, which is really helpful. Yeah. Well, like you say, it's it is a strategy. So like runners spend a lot of time on what their race day strategy is going to be in terms of this is yeah. my pacing, yeah. this is where I'm going to yeah, start we'll pushing. But with nutrition, like you hear from my friend on the side, yeah, it's like, uh, <laughs> uh, I think uh, I'm going to save this because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save it for the end. So yes, I think yes. you need a proper yeah. concrete strategy and that's something that you know you okay. practice in your training. But then but then just to just to you know zone in on this one more time because like, I, I, need, I need clarity here. We, we're talking about you know starting your nutrition from from the get-go right of, of the race right so that means within the first hour even even if like for a race like comrades or or two oceans whatever you're training for you, you need to start your nutrition like from the get-go so like within the first 20 minutes you should ideally be starting to take on nutrition or the first half an hour or whatever but then taking that back to training right then then surely on your longer runs when you're going out on a 30k long run you should you should start off you know by by practicing that is that, that yeah. correct because because once again training runs you know you you only take it after like 20 k's when you're like feeling a bit you know tired and all of that so mm. i think i'm looking for clarity for myself because nick's laughing at me no, I'm like, sure. i've seen you do it as well my friend. it's confusing <laughs> we've all we've all made these mistakes so we're not alone in this but yeah i mean in training for what you said about the long run what we also need to remember here is you generally have your breakfast at home and then within half an hour finishing the breakfast you're running, which is obviously, okay, not for you maybe, but um, but obviously the, usually the time frame is a lot shorter, if that makes sense, yeah. compared to race day. So in a training run, you could start fueling a little later, but I would say for the long run, an hour is definitely too late. What someone once yeah. said to me, which was which was super helpful, is that in a race you there's a bit of like mindfulness involved as well. So check in with yourself and be real with yourself. Okay, how am I feeling? And you know, if you kind of if you're feeling strong, then that's a good thing. But you must also think ahead. Okay, will I still feel this way in ten days? Probably not. Let me make sure that I'm feeling. So always check in with yourself. Your body will also let you know and. Start, you know, giving you little indicators that, you know, 
you might need to top it up or, you know, and if you're going wrong somewhere. So just check in with yourself. Yeah. But I, I want to just quickly reiterate, you know, okay, if we take that 60 gram of carb uh, as an example, right? So we said, okay, that's three goos every hour, right? But let's take into account, okay, someone's having water and Coke as well, or they're having an endurance yeah. drink. That's all adding to the, the total yeah. carbohydrate amount. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, yeah, 100%. And so what is your thoughts? I've seen a lot of races now, they, they offer Coke Zero as well. I mean, Coke, <laughs> Coke hey, Zero's it's got... A, it's, a li- it's a lifestyle choice. <laughs> it's got absolutely no nutritional value to it. It's not I actually, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's boggled my mind. I wanted I, to ask. Yeah, I, I thought it. I thought <laughs> yeah. at, at a running race, and I was like, okay. "What is the point?" So, um, I mean, yeah, you know, <laughs> endurance drinks and all of that. There's obviously a big hydration strategy as well. I mean, we're talking a lot about nutrition and hydration. Yeah. I mean, it's the basic you you're eating and what you're drinking. But you know, in terms of um, the actual what it looks like on race day you know if you if you're taking a four hour marathon now you you you're talking 12 goos or 16 goos <laughs> uh i mean how do, how does a runner even carry all of that stuff there's so many like other implications involved so you know we're talking goos what what other examples can we can we talk about yeah so i mean just um to chat about the, the hydration aspect of things which is a, a really good thing to to touch on because i think that's where a lot of people go wrong with their nutrition and you know not getting in enough electrolytes can can result in you being on the sidelines vomiting running to the toilet nausea dizziness headaches all of those things and obviously you do get you know saltier sweaters versus not so salty so it's very much dependent on the individual you can get that tested. So if that's something that people feel like they're struggling with, um, I you didn't, can get that I didn't tested. know that was a thing up, up until right now. A salty sweater. Is that what you yeah, said? Yeah, so your, your sweaters, yeah. <laughs> Basically what it means is that your sweat is just more concentrated in terms of so you lose what more you sweat mm. Yes, yeah, well, so you lose uh, more sodium, so your requirements will be a lot higher. You often see the salty sweaters of they like their sweat goes white on their shirt. I'm a salty yeah. sweater. I'm a I'm a salty sweater. <laughs> Why has no one told me like No, not congratulations. <laughs> That's my problem. I figured it out. Uh, well, talking about salty sweating, I want to get onto a, a story. I want to just tell a, tell uh, your story. I want to get your opinion. So this was one of Davy's first. No, there's no opinion needed yeah. that I ran with. So I mean, in terms of exercise induced cramps, I mean. I know cramps is like a whole thing on its own. Yeah, if you I can mean, fix that problem. Th- there's, anyway. a big, th- um, there's a big element that nutrition plays into it. Davey once, you know, he he started cramping and he was about 30K in a marathon and he looked to me in absolute state of panic. He got to this water table and he just asked for salt, right? Now, these people didn't have salt, but they had like this, this salt <laughs> jar. It, it was they, one of those white ones that's like finely grained finely salt. Finely grained salt. He put, yeah. a, it must have been maybe 30 grams, it was 50 a, it was grams a heaped, of salt. It was a heaped handful. heaped handful of salt and just stuffed it into his mouth. And I saw, I saw him do this. And from that point, on he just it could not recover so let, let's talk a little bit about this sort of the the salt theory in terms of nutrition and and how Don't do you do get what a, i did how do you get around cramps from a nutritional aspect so i think it's also important for us to mention that cramping can also be due to poor pacing strategy 
Yeah, that's why, 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 why are you looking I'm not saying that with you. I'm not saying that with you. No, hold on, You paced, you've, you are my pacing strategy. Yeah, no, that was, uh, that was the first. So don't, <laughs> so don't come here and look <laughs> at me like that Sada. Sorry, Mariela, carry on. Um, okay, so basically, you know, once you start cramping, it's tricky to kind of bounce back yeah, from that. Can. So you want to... Same as, you know, with um, with your fueling in terms of carbs, you want to make sure that your fueling in terms of hydration, electrolytes, that you're on the ball there as well. And like I said, you know, requirements differ from person to person. Someone might need 1,000 milligrams of sodium per hour. Some might only need 250. It's difficult to give, give you know, a general guideline here. But that is super important. And, and does something like cramping, because I know cramping is <clears throat> such a important topic because like a lot of people struggle with cramping and myself included and from from my experience which which was going well up until comrades now isn't going well it's something that like like, like i i believe you have to you've got to take care of your cramping like two three weeks in advance of a race so for me it's like it's like loading up on so sodium a tablets or, or whatever that is or i use or i use something called a quinine sulfate um that's i don't know if you've ever heard of it but like i i still actually don't know what works so would you say that like if someone's prone to cramping is that something that you just you know deal with on the day and make sure that your nutrition is good or or is there something you can do pre-race like two weeks in yeah. advance you can t- take extra magnesium or whatever or what would your advice be there so you can definitely do something before the race. You can't load up on electrolytes. Your body doesn't, there's no storage for them. See, but, what, <laughs> but, but what does often happen is that athletes don't hydrate enough going into the race beforehand. So they start the race and they're already dehydrated. Especially, you know, a race like Comrade where it's humid, you do sweat a lot in the days leading up to especially the day before or the days before where, you know, you're going to the expo and it's a lot of excitement, you're running around and people forget to, to drink and stay hydrated. And before you know it, you know, half the day is gone and you haven't actually been hydrating. So you're already sort of, you know, starting to play with fire there already. So you want to make sure that you are really intentional, yeah. have your have your bottle with electrolytes with you and make sure to, to regularly drink. And another like nice, you know, sort of thing to keep an eye on is how often are you going to the toilet? Um, if you've only been once the whole day and your urine is, you know, a dark yellow, then you know you probably should be having a bit more than that because it should not be there. I learned, I learned something from Nick uh, two days ago, which I had no idea was even a thing. It's like the quality of water. And what, what is it that you that, report? That, that total dissolved sodium, the TDS. In, in, in a water in, in, in a water Nick, Nick was like looked at the back of my water and he was like this is this is a good one and I was like what do you mean this is a good one like water is water is water right so just talking talking about like um, hydration like like if if I go to the tap because you Nick you also said and, and I remember this it's like you said the higher level that is the the more hydrated you'll be and you, yeah, so so is that a thing? Like if I go and get a that's, glass of tap that's water, that's myth. Yeah, if I go get a glass of tap water and I drink that, am I still as hydrated as I will as I will be if I drink Perrier or uh, or whatever <laughs> something? Or is water water? 
I, to be honest, I am not too sure about that one. But I mean, you do, water can be higher in electrolytes. For, for example, I think they say that mountain water is higher in electrolytes because it That's goes to the rocks and it gets the salt. So that would obviously be more electrolyte containing water. So if you, if you want to be really you know, bougie, then Perrier. Yeah, mi- mineral, yeah. mineral rich water. I don't know. Maybe maybe it was just but a good salesman's yeah. pitch. And then he told me, and then he told me to start also using bottled water when I'm boiling it for my coffee to taste better. And I was like, do you have, is money growing on trees that, in your house? That is because in Durban, we have E. coli in our ocean. So <laughs> but when you burn water or boil water, Maybe we're getting out of, we're getting, we're getting sidetracked. Yeah, sidetracked. I want to, I want to chat quickly in terms of fueling for recovery again, giving us some examples for post-workout recovery meals and the timing of that, the importance around that. Uh, Could you just share some insights there? Uh, So after exercise, I'm sure a lot of people have heard this before, your body is more efficient at replenishing glycogen stores. So that's how your body stores carbohydrates. So you want to make sure that you are getting something in within that window. So they usually say it's on an hour and a half to two hours, but I generally mm. encourage um, my clients to, you know, get it in as soon as possible. And often what happens is, you know, after a longer run or even, even a harder session, your appetite isn't there. So eating in and of itself is quite quite hard just because you don't feel like it. Yeah. So, you know, drinking your calories is, is really nice. So something like a recovery shake. I mean, you get so many brands that do them. Um, what you kind of want to look out for is that it contains or has a carb-to-protein ratio of 4 to 1. Um, or something like chocolate milk is really great. Um, there's a lot of research on chocolate milk. So we St- all know Stary, that's Stary Stary Stumpy, yeah. <laughs> Stary Stumpy, I hear, is, um, is a good one. <laughs> yeah, I know, it really is. So, And it's easy. There's always a petrol station around, so you can always get your hands on that. So that's quite a nice thing to do immediately after your run. And that's also nice, not just in terms of carbs and protein, but also rehydrating. So getting in some liquids. If you were to make a smoothie at home, it could be something like a banana with peanut butter, um, milk, you know, frozen berries, that's quite a nice combo. Um, so your options are, your op- yeah, your options are, you know, endless. Brilliant. So, yeah, those are some things you can do. Or eggs on toast if you're up to eating, you know. But you can get most of it in with whole foods as well. I think that's also quite important to note that it doesn't have to be a fancy supplement that will cost you an arm and yeah, a leg. Yeah. You can fuel your body with whole foods. And, and that should be your primary go-to. So you would prefer whole foods to supplements. So yeah, say, that's my, and, that and that's a question that I get a lot also as a, as a bio. It's like, what what, what supplement can I take? And I, and I often just say, as you say, like if you're eating a well-balanced, nutrient-rich diet, the chances of you needing to supplement that over and above means that you probably are an elite-level athlete and you're putting your body through a hell of a lot of training. But for the general yeah. person, I mean, how important are supplements? So, you know, in terms of supplements, there's generally speaking, unless you've been for blood tests and you've been diagnosed with a deficiency, you don't need to be taking anything majorly fancy. The one thing that that most people don't get enough of is um, or are omega-3s just because, you know, most people don't eat enough fatty fish and you do have to get that from your diet. 
So, you know, those are those are the one thing. So generally speaking, you know, multivitamins and that sort of thing, like you said, if you're eating a well-balanced diet, you'll be getting in 99% yeah. of the things and, that you and, need. Um, and magnesium is like, I mean, I love magnesium, right? I don't know what, what it is about magnesium, but like slow mag for me, two a day. And like a lot of the things that like, with supplementation, it's also like psycho... Somatic. placebo or whatever but um magnesium like benefits no no benefits like what honestly honestly what's your take some people you know some people swear by it um it hasn't been found to be yeah. this you know mm -hmm. magic formula yeah. but like you said if you that i also like you know always remind people if you find that it works for you yeah. whether it is placebo or actual um both of them work so, you know, yeah. if you find you can't do, if you can't do without it, then keep taking it. It's not going to do yeah. you any major harm. And then also just obviously, I mean, Nick was saying like, if, you, if you're fueling properly and eating whole foods and all of that, you don't need a supplement. But when I went to a dietitian last year, the, the like key word was micro dense Microdense uh, nutrients, right? So mi yeah. micro dense nutrients and then just, is there a difference between a micro dense nutrient and just like, something that's, you know, got, got a lot of nutrients in it? Or, or are there specific foods that you can take that are, that are better than others? Because obviously, I mean, you, uh, what's the difference between you um, hoovering down a piece of white bread and you taking in, like, multi-seeded, you know? What yeah. Is, is there a difference or is so, it a carb-a-carb -carb kind of? Yeah, so micronutrients are essentially your vitamins and your minerals, and then your macronutrients are carbs, proteins, fats. Yeah. So... If we're looking at the example you gave, like white white bread or brown bread or whole seed, obviously your whole seed bread will be it'll be higher in protein, higher in fiber, so it is more nutrient dense. Yeah. But what we sometimes also need to remember is, in terms of if you if we are fueling for performance, your new and your requirements are very high, you might struggle to eat the sheer volume of your your brown bread or whole seed bread just because it's so bulky, because of the fiber content and seeds and whatnot, versus the white bread. But having said that, obviously you still want to make sure that you are getting in your fiber content if you are training as much. Um, so yeah, that's where you yeah, know, the looking yeah. at the individual comes into play. But that's kind of the difference between white yeah. rounded. So the one is definitely more mic um, more nutrient yeah. dense. Because I mean, it's so much easier to grab, you know, a chocolate or a packet of chips or whatever. Because you're gonna you're gonna get your your macros right, and and that's that's what yeah. that's what that's what we ultimately need on like a top level kind of thing but then obviously it's it's making those decisions about like okay i can have a packet of doritos right you can have that dorito but then also searching for your other foods that are going to be micronutrient dense yeah um, so setting up like your main so it could be something like you know focusing on getting your focusing on your uh, nutrient micronutrients during your main meals for example and yeah, really yeah. trying to get them in there and then when you are just you know on the go and just need a snack before training, then it can be something more refined. Yeah, true. Yeah, I think, you know, with everything that we've covered today, which has been super yeah. interesting. Please I send us an invoice because I think we've just like <laughs> drained you of everything. We've gone over so many different things, but I, I want to sort of end off with what still is such an interesting question for me is like, you know, as a runner, as an athlete, an individual, you know, you, you, you put your training first, you do everything, you get your sleep. Why, why do you think as a dietitian, 
why do you think that nutrition is sort of the last stepping stone that often people go to uh, when it's something that, you know, it's such a prominent part in our lives? Good question. I think, I think a lot of it is just not being informed. I think there's also an element of, you know, tardiness, maybe just being a bit lazy because it, it does require preparation and it can get yeah. tedious for sure. You know, prepping your nutrition for your training day, thinking ahead and making sure you have your snacks lined up and those things, it does require a lot of effort. So I think that's definitely something that um, a lot of people struggle with. It's also quite expensive. Also think, mm. Like if you, if you have to now... Well, it, it doesn't have to be. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, yeah. yeah. It can be though, 100%. But, eating um, nothing is uh, cheaper than eating something. Else. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's true. <laughs> but, um, and I think another part of it, sometimes there's also a bit of an element of, of fear in terms of, ooh, but more calories equals weight gain, and yeah. more carbs equals weight gain. So I think that's also like, um, like, a part of it. I mean, you're coming back to exactly what we said early on, but I mean, so, someone, someone like you, right? I mean, like I really, like I really admire, you know, how you how you're tackling it because you, you just just from what I've seen on on social media and stuff like that, like you aren't afraid of fueling, and it's just, it's just such an important, you know, mental aspect to try and overcome because I think that's where a lot of it sits. Yeah. It's, it's like you said, like people are are afraid to take on those extra. I mean, like for you, sometimes it could be an extra thousand calories that you're taking on during a race, and you're like, if you are on a if you are on a journey that's not result driven you're never going to happily be like okay cool i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna eat those extra thousand calories because it's gonna make me you know feel better whatever and that's the difference between Mm -hmm. i think athletes that are that are doing it for for the for weight loss or whatever and then athletes that are searching like for nick and i like like i will i would happily consume a thousand two thousand three thousand calories or whatever it is if it's going to get me my pb it's, it's also yeah. a lot about lifestyle choices, I guess, you know, because people are so focused on what they're eating on the run or before the run or after the run. But then throughout the day, they, they busy, they, they drink, they, they yeah. take in any, any nutrition. And, you know, that those are easy er- elements in your life that you can manage your intake very well and not sacrifice your, your training nutrition in that fact. Is that so? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, also, I mean, things like alcohol and, you know, all of these little things, you know, it all plays a part. So just to finish off, your top tips in terms of when it comes to... <laughs> You've got plenty. Don't make that face. Just a couple. Come on. Just a You've couple. got plenty. Your top tips when it comes to nutrition for, for runners. A really nice one-liner, um, it's quite a, quite a famous one, is fuel for the work required. Cool. Yeah, I like that. That's it. I like that. Yeah. That's Mariela. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. Mariela, as we mentioned in the beginning, is a elite devil triathlete. She is an ASIC sponsored elite uh, triathlete. You can follow her on Instagram. It's Mariela underscore Sawyer, S A W Y E R. You can also reach out to her if you want any adv- uh, nutritional advice. As you as you heard, she has her own yep. practice. And thank you so much. It's been it's been enlightening. I'm gonna. Try my hardest. Yeah, I, I think it, <laughs> as far as our first making a runner episode that yeah. has been nutrition based, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a hard to top. Yeah, we've we've covered <laughs> so much stuff. So we thank you so much for being here and sharing your your wonderful knowledge, and we look forward to to seeing your journey carrying on. Cool. Thanks so much for having me, guys. <laughs> thank you for listening to another episode of Making a Runner. 
We hope you enjoyed it and found value in the show. Don't forget to rate and leave a review on your favorite streaming platform. And remember to share with your running buddies. Follow our journey on our socials and feel free to engage with us on all things running. We wish you a pleasant run wherever the road or trail may take you. Bye for now.